Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Cannon Cast, an SB Nation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. So the Jackets went one and one last week. They lost to the, to the Canadians in shootout. Elvis Merciliskins made his return back to the team. And then they beat the Blues on Friday in overtime, a game-winning power play goal by Zach Borensky. We're going to talk about that and so much more. Joining me today are Seeds Andy Lane. What's up, guys? Hey. Hi, guys. How's it going? It's going it's going. So the Jackets are off until tomorrow against the Canadians, um, but they stopped the losing streak with a win last Friday against the Blues. It was yet another overtime, but this time a game-winning power play goal by Varensky, as I mentioned off the top. Um, prior to that, they had that tough shootout loss in Montreal, but Elvis Merslickens returned. He looked really good. So what are you guys kind of thinking about the team, uh, I guess, over the last week, or maybe how do you reassess the last two games? Yeah, I think they played pretty well last week. It really sucks that they've had two games in the last seven days, or that's that's kind of really annoying. But you know, the schedule is what it is, and I'm sure we're gonna get a crunch here in a couple months. You know, in February we'll probably play like 15 games in 28 days or something ridiculous. Yeah, but I think the Jackets played pretty well last week. I thought Elvis looked really good in his return. That was really encouraging to see. He was sent down mostly for time, came back after Corpus Allo's outburst. And um, yeah, so I thought I thought Elvis and his return looked really strong. Um, yeah, I went to a shootout, but Elvis has uh, really looked pretty good ever since that first Pittsburgh outing. He's improved every game. And then, um, yeah, I, and I thought the team as a whole on uh, on Friday night played well. And yeah, credit to Zach Wierenski for getting that game winning overtime goal. But for me, the big story is that um, we're still just struggling for goals at this point. You know, Nick Foligno is suspended. Cam Atkinson's hurt, or Cam Atkinson isn't hurt, but his production is hurting the team, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Alexander Texier's missed time. But, you know, the guys who we expected that would kind of carry the load for this offense this season aren't really doing it. Um, PLD is playing well. He's got 11 points right now. Gustav Nyquist has 11 points, and he's on like an eight-game road point streak. So that's something, I guess. But for the main, for the 
uh, majority of the season thus far, you've got guys who are veterans on this roster who've been who are going to be counted on to pick up the slack that just kind of aren't doing it. Oliver Bjorkstrand isn't playing as well as we would hope, although he at least hasn't started as badly as he has in years past. Josh Anderson has two points in one of his games and no points in every other game he's played this season. <laughs> I mentioned Jenner. Uh, Atkinson's still doesn't have a five on five goal this year, and we are about a week and a half out from Thanksgiving, which is extremely problematic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's there's been some encouraging signs. It looks like the defense is kind of rounding into form. Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski are starting to emerge and play like the guys we know they are. Obviously, this team is still without Ryan Murray, who made it about one game back before he's uh, back out with injury. And the goaltending is kind of it's not great, but it's not costing the team wins anymore. At least it's at least they're allowing few enough goals that if the if the offense ever figures things out, they might this team might be able to do something. But right now they're just not scoring goals. And it's that same the same issue we've been facing all year. They just can't find ways to put the puck in the net. I didn't really get to watch much of. The shootout game, I watched the shootout, <laughs> and I, I was at uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse when I watched the shootout, because the games were on the same night, and we were sitting in the media room, a group of us who have watched York Strand play for quite some time, and it was uh, shocking to all of us to realize that York Strand has kind of deteriorated, deteriorated since he's been up in Columbus, um, just based on watching him do a shootout. He used to be one of those, like, finesse kind of players where if you saw him in the shootout, like, that that was it. You knew it was going to be game over. And he didn't even look like he was having fun. He didn't – he just kind of, like, shot it almost. Like, he used to do crazy things leading up. Like, he would just – make an amazing, uh, like, set of stick-handling moves paired with fancy feet work and just, like, get a goal in. And and this wasn't it. And so I kind of, I went back a little bit, a few games that my friends had DVR'd, and I don't, I don't see that from him anymore. He's just kind of, I think he's trying to fit into that blue-collar mode that um, Torts wants, but he's not that kind of player and to make him play like that is a disservice to him and to the team. And um, I didn't watch Saturday. Wait a minute, game. Elaine, are you saying John Tortorella might be bad? I said that earlier in our Slack channel. Not that he's bad, just that <clears throat> right now, that maybe this isn't, maybe he, his style of coaching is not going to work for the team that we had. And I think I said that last week too. And also on the artillery pod. I think I've been saying that for like, I'm just giving I'm just giving you crap because I agree. So <laughs> I did not watch Friday's game because we went the monsters went into overtime too and I just and we lost and I just wasn't feeling sitting down and watching another game and trying to analyze it. So I will trust your guys' opinion on Friday. All right, so going back to the game on Tuesday real fast, all of us did look really good. It's a shame that they still couldn't figure out a way to get that win. And really, it comes down almost to, I mean, you could pick out anything, but 
I think the most obvious was the Seth Jones near empty net goal, like pretty much I think off the post. That would have sealed the deal. So of course they don't get that goal. They go, and that's the story of their season so far. They can't get goals even when it's an empty net nearly off, basically off the post. Go to overtime. Power plays was terrible. Shootout doesn't go their way. They get a point, whatever. But I was pretty encouraged with Elvis and. Watching that Blues game, I don't know. I just had this weird feeling like, I, I, I don't know. For me, and Ryan, saw, Ryan had an article that summed it up, kind of the whole, the Blue Jackets are just boring to watch. And that's kind of what what I think I've been feeling. So with the Blues game, it was, I don't know, whether it was bad, you know, not scoring initially or whatever it was, uh, or just having a bad feeling that they won't win that game or whatever. Um, you know, they did figure out a way in overtime, the power play goal, but kind of going into the next yeah, next yeah, topic. Just before we move on, I want to hit one more point about the uh, the Tuesday night game in Montreal. Yeah. Our power play in overtime was one of the most disgustingly terrible things I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> the Blue Jackets managed to give up multiple odd man rushes, look absolutely abysmal, fail to maintain zone pressure, and they were doing it in a four on three situation in overtime. It's it was the polar opposite of what they did in overtime when Zach Wierenski scored. And I, I, I give Seth and Zach Wierenski credit because in that overtime on Friday night, they basically just said, we're we're doing this ourselves mm-hmm. and passed the puck back and forth until they found a shooting lane. And one of them took a shot because they can't count on the forwards on the power play right now. Those two are the entire power play right now. Anything, anything trying to involve the forwards on our power play right now that isn't fetch the puck out of the corner is absolutely abysmal, and I don't want to watch it anymore. I would, I, we've joked for years about declining power plays. Like, can we act, like just decline the penalty? And I legitimately want to because I'm sick and tired of watching this awful, awful unit on a nightly basis. And yet, no one has answered for it. Yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah, that's been the story of the last three years now. Wait, but haven't they, like, despite sloppy play, they're at least kind of producing recently? Well, I think they're getting some goals, but it's not because it's, it's not as much about their power play actually doing what they should be as much as it is just maybe individual efforts or the puck somehow finding the, the net. I think it's less to do with any kind of, like, scheme or design and it just kind of, like, resulting into a goal, which, I mean, we'll take, but... Hey, we've got we've gone from twelve and a half percent on the power play to fourteen and a half percent. We're all the way up to like twenty fifth in the league, guys. But no, it's it's more it's just frustrating that the forwards are so bad and like there's so many you know they're they're you know there's guys making bad turnovers, there's guys getting caught out of position, and then the defensemen are having to hustle back. It's they might be scoring goals, but God, they, they just give up so many odd man rushes while while down a man. Like we've got more than double the shorthanded goals allowed as the league average this year. And that's just pathetic. Like we've allowed four shorthanded goals in less than 20 games or like 20 games this year. That's not good. Yeah. Um, you mentioned it with the blues game towards basically it's it's almost like he threw his hands up in there and said, let's try something different. Basically like that famous Seinfeld episode, The Opposite, Torch did the opposite of what he would typically do with his line line combos. And it seemed to maybe it sparked the team. It was just so random that, I don't know, it, apparently they're going to stick with it, at least through practice today, as far as having 
basically a line of, say, Nyquist, Jenner, Bjorkstrand, Texier, Nash, Atkinson, Robinson with Wenberg and Anderson and then Milano, Dubois and Bemstrom. What did you guys think about basically Torch doing the opposite of, I guess, what he would normally do? Well, the fact that it worked uh, probably highlights the fact that maybe he should start just continuing to do the opposite of what what he's always done because it's we've been begging for these on at least in our group of writers at the canon we've been begging for lines similar to this we've been begging to see these combinations and they're working um i'm not saying that a coach needs to listen to a bunch of writers but <laughs> um but if, if he, he should he should at least listen to the canon cast <laughs> right but if he um is doing the opposite of what he's done then that shows that maybe John Tortorella isn't right for the way he'd been coaching is not right for this team. So if this continues to be an up and on the incline, then I hope he continues to do it that way and just think old John Tortorella would do this, but new John Tortorella is going to do this. I completely, I completely agree that that's what he should do. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, that's probably not what he's going to do. Right. Like, like, for instance, saying that he's going to punish Jonas Corposalo by having him not play one game. I'm sorry. That's crap. <laughs> like, if you're really going to punish a goalie yeah, for it's, his it's a, antics. It's a real punishment. Right. It's a real punishment to sit for one game when you guys have already been having him sit every once in a while. Why not keep him out longer? That's like a slap in the face to, El- to Elvis. Like, you're it's absolute, basically saying they're, they're he's treatment. a chess. They're basically saying he's a chess piece to get Corpusalo to be better. It's not a who's backup and who's not. Sorry. The, the way <laughs> no the the way they've been treating Elvis Merzlikens is borderline insanity at this point. And I mean they they punished him more for losing seven to two to the Pittsburgh Penguins than they punished Corpusalo for his second outburst in a, less than a calendar month where he's banging sticks on the ice and throwing pucks down the ice. Like it's, it, it makes no sense. And I, I, I at this point, you know, th- this, it seems to me like the coach has no actual answers. So he's just throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. And this just happened to work and they beat the blues and it should be noted. They did not beat Jordan Bennington. They beat bad Jake Allen, who is bad. So yeah, cool. They won two points is two points, but it's not like, you beat the Blues at the height of their Stanley Cup. They were without Vladimir Tarasenko. They weren't They weren't playing Bennington, and they probably shouldn't have. You know, give him a night off against a terrible offensive team. It's just, it's frustrating to see that the coaching staff really doesn't have any answers except for apparently what Seinfeld did in the 90s, and that's just frustrating as a fan to see that there's so much they sh- could or should be doing, and they're just not. If Tortorella just put random line combinations together to see if it would work. That's one thing. And if he ended up not, well, I guess it's like if he doesn't, if he thought, I mean, even though it seems to have worked, at least for that one game, it was just really just a period, I believe a period plus maybe it looks like it might've worked, but if he doesn't stick with it and they, like I said, he did, they are, they did practice with those same combinations this morning. But if they end up going back to their normal lines for tomorrow's game or they end up not using that same combination, it's kind of like, okay, so what are we doing? Are we 
did we find something that would work or are we still trying to figure, you know, figure out something out of nothing almost? So I don't know. Maybe Elaine made a good point. Maybe Tortorella is not, maybe what he's been doing isn't really working or it's working to the detriment of the team. Or maybe it's just, we need somebody to score goals. Somebody needs to just do it already. Raise your hand if you, raise your hand if you think um, John Tortorella is going to keep these lines together for the entire game tomorrow night. Because I would not, not, the bet, entire on, I would game. not bet one single dime on that. Right. And, and that's, that's the biggest problem. Yeah. Like the guys don't have a chance to, yes. to like mold into these. You know, let me give an example. I How know, are you supposed to develop chemistry? Right. Like, well, it's not just chemistry either. Well, it, it's like, you know what your role is. You know, you know what your role is when you're with these guys all the time. The first line and the fourth line for the monsters is so solid, so good, because it's been the same thing all season. The second and third line, they struggle because it's like Hannah Kynan's on the second. He gets called up. Jacob Lilia came down. Like, Cole Sherwood was on the third, got called up. Like the Robinson got called up. The second and third line is just like struggling. And then I look at at the jackets and everyone's wondering why they're struggling. And it's because he like plays the slot machine in the middle of the freaking game. Like just let these lines breathe for at least four games. Okay. And then if they're doing bad, shake it up, but give them a chance. <laughs> I also wanted to add, ask you, guys about this so obviously tomorrow's game will be the third and final game of Nick Foligno's suspension going back to the hit he laid out in Colorado what do you guys think maybe about this team I know it's only been two games without Foligno but uh have you missed him have you noticed that he's not even there or have you seen other things maybe like you know so and so is getting a chance they might not have gotten or what do you guys think I guess minus Foligno okay this is gonna sound really mean but no I haven't noticed his absence yeah, I agree. <laughs> that that sounds me that that sounds really mean, but no, I haven't noticed it. Um this team still struggles to score goals. Uh they still struggle with controlled zone entries into the into the uh offensive zone. They might they yeah, I I haven't noticed anything different with Felino on or off the ice. I don't know. I obviously I can't speak to locker room dynamics. I right, you know, yeah. I can't I can't speak to that, but strictly on ice I haven't seen this team play one iota different without Nick Foligno. Elaine? Well, since I only watched the uh, shootout, I can't really say. <laughs> True. <laughs> but just from what I've seen online and what I've read from uh, from our site and in conversations with uh, random people that come into our office at work and I force them to talk hockey with me once I find out that they're a fan – um, it seems like people kind of forgot that Felino wasn't on the ice, which when you're the captain, if fans in general are like, oh, yeah, Felino's not there. That's right. That's an issue, right? I don't know. Like, that's. <laughs> I mean, even if he, even if he's not going to be the even if he's not going to produce, he should at least, you know, I feel like he doesn't even stand out as a leader on the ice. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. I just feel like I, I feel like basically with Felino, I'm sure, like you said, seeds that there are the locker room dynamics and the intangibles that he brings that aren't necessarily just replaced. I just don't think like and I mean, I do value or at least I appreciate his game to the point where I know that he 
you know, wears his heart on his sleeve. He's physical and all that stuff. That's great. But obviously, he's not a scorer. Um, I feel like this team is just as fine without him on the ice because they need scoring, and he's not scoring really anyway. The 30-goal season he had a couple of years ago was an anomaly, which parlayed that into a big contract. But if they were to ever move on from Felino, I mean, okay, like, honestly, I don't think it would hurt them, at least on the ice. Again, he is the captain and all that. But, I mean, I just... I think it's it's good if you can get younger, um, potentially offensive type weapons in that lineup as much as possible, especially right now with trying to get goals. So, I mean, yeah, he's had some good games here and there, but I don't I don't miss Felino when he's not out there. He's another veteran who, let's face it, he's not exactly lighting it up with guys like Atkinson, and you know, we talked about the lack of scoring from the veterans as it, as it is. So, today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Elaine, so you you mentioned this watching the monsters over the last week. What do you have to tell us about that? Well, um, they are on a they're writing a five game winless streak. Ugh. It's not that taking notes from the big club. I see. <laughs> well, kind of. <laughs> they still have a lot of compete in that third period, but the third period kind of like falls apart a little bit, and they can't seem to get it back. Like I said, the first line, which is. Stefan Mateau, Marco Dano with, um, they moved Gerby to center because he's, I mean, he's played center before, but they're trying to drum up some more scoring power, some more offense. He also does a great job of controlling the faceoff, which is very key. Same thing with that fourth line. And the fourth line is like super solid. It's uh, Calvin Turkoff, Ryan McInnes, and Paul Bittner. And I mean, coach calls it Ryan McInnes' line because he is he is powering that line. He is quarterbacking that line. He is just working so well with his wingers. It's, it's incredible. And he's winning almost every single faceoff. And I know sometimes people are like, faceoffs are overrated. Faceoffs are a whatever thing. But two of the goals in Saturday's game one came right off of the face-off, like almost immediately off the face-off that we lost, that Zach Delby lost. And then the fourth goal, which was an empty netter, the momentum was in the Monsters' favor. We took a face-off. We lost the face-off. And then the the crunch just dominated it. And the puck went down the ice and Clendenning did his best to get it. He pushed it backwards right onto the stick of Corey Conacher. And he, it, so he was able to just pop it in the net. But had we have won that face off, we could have maintained momentum. So it's just like little things. And especially on that second and third line, they're just not clicking right now. And I, like I said earlier, it's because they're not, that it's just constant change for them. Yeah, I mean, Marco Dano, I said earlier, 
this season I was worried about his play and that he was a little too aggressive, too physical. And now he has assists in four straight games. And they're not like weak assists. They are plays that he that he set up and plays that he made happen or he recognized that if he went down the slot, someone was coming in on him or if he tried to cut left, he might take a penalty and he didn't want that. So he's been really good at passing and knowing when to pass. So it's nice to watch him fix some of the things he struggled with at the beginning of the season. And it looks like he's finally just really content and fitting in with this team. What do you have uh, to look forward to as with the monsters? What are you look kind of looking for? Well, once they figure out, <laughs> once they figure out how to score again, I think that they're actually just going to be fine. They just have to continue to put good shots on net and they, they still need to break out of that passing mentality Coaches preaching, all the coaches are preaching shooters mentality. Shoot, 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 shoot. And guys are actually picking up rebounds. So they have no real reason to worry about not picking up the rebound. But in the past three seasons, they weren't picking up rebounds. So the mentality was pass, pass, pass. And so breaking them out of that has been a little bit of a struggle. But once they are 100% out of that passing mentality, I really think this team has the ability to go far, even into the playoffs. It just also depends on how the rest of the North plays because the North is pretty stacked. I got a question, Elaine. Have you noticed some of the systemic issues that the big club is facing down in Cleveland? No. Okay, that just says thank you. not (laughs) Not like past years, but it's because, and this is why, This is 100% what I believe why is coach Eves is very. So Madden and Tortorella are very similar coaches. You do it like you do what they tell them, what they tell you to do. You don't really question them. They can be a little rough with you. I know that they both have soft sides, but coach Eves explains it. Like he, he explains it to a T. I want you to do this because I want this to happen. And this, in a, in a result of that happening, this will also happen. Like he, you can see it in the way that he does post game pressers with us too. He really, um, he finds ways to reach people and really explain it. And he wants the players to grow and learn the system and then commit to it. And from that, they can win, they can be a better player, then they'll score goals. But he spells it out, top to bottom. I want Nathan Gerby to win face-offs so that Marco Dano can take off with the puck and set up Stefan Mateau. Mm. Like, he spells it out. And I don't think Tort spells it out in the same way that Eves does. It's kind of like, this is what I want, now go do it. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> and in Mike Eve's world, it's, this is what I want. We're going to do it. You're going to be great. This is how it's going to go. And if you mess up, you mess up. We'll do it again. We'll try again. Yeah. Like, it's, it's two different people. Now, he's teaching them some of the same systems, but... 
I mean, two different people are running our special teams compared running the monster special teams compared to the people that are running the jackets special teams. So you're going to have some differences there as well. I, I just see it, it's just a diff, it's a lot different because Coach Eves rolls his lines. His fourth line, he said it is not a fourth line. It's essentially a second line, or even some nights it's considered a first line because they're playing so well. The, with Torts, a fourth line is a fourth line, and you have 20 seconds of ice time, two minutes of ice time, that's enough for you. But in Coach Eve's world, it's not enough. He just wants to roll and roll and roll, and if you mess up, he's not going to make you ride the pine for a whole period. Yeah, hopefully the Monsters can get back on the winning side. Hopefully Columbus will continue their winning side or their yes. little win streak going tomorrow. They've been opposite of each other because we were on a win yeah. streak when you guys were when when the Jackets were losing. <laughs> and now it's vice versa. Well, this is going to be our our last topic of the night, but I have to get your guys' opinion on this or your thoughts on this rather. So there was a scene in the Avalanche Canucks game on Saturday night when former Blue Jacket and current Avalanche player Matt Calvert took a puck to the head while defending in the Canucks zone. Play continued when, while Cal- Calvert was on the ice and struggling to get up. Um, I think we were mostly aware of it as Zach Wierenski tweeted about that play, saying that things needed they needed to fix this. And of course, we all remember Wierenski against the Penguins in the playoffs, the exact same situation. So as the rule states, uh, when a player is injured so that he cannot continue play or go to his bench, the play shall not be stopped until the, play- the injured player's team has secured control of the puck. If the player's team is in control of the puck at the time of the injury, play should shall be stopped immediately unless his team is in scoring position. Obviously for the Avalanche in that Canucks game, uh, the Avalanche were defending, the Canucks kept the play going and eventually scored. And I think it was 13 seconds that Calvert was down, obviously struggling, can't get up. So anyway, what do you, what are you, what are your guys' takeaway from this? Because I mean, obviously everybody can agree. I think that the NHL is trying to help eliminate or at least limit head injuries and injuries like that. And here we have mm, this rule in which, yeah, really, go ahead, seats, take that. Go to hell, NHL officiating. That is my thought. There is uh, no uh, circumstance. Elaine, I that's fine. You you I I this is my thought. You have to <laughs> blow that play dead. You have to blow that play dead. He is down on the ice, very clearly bleeding in the middle of the off. I mean, if, if you watch the replay, Elias Pettersson is pointing at him multiple times, trying to get officials to stop the play because at least Elias Pettersson notices there is something very seriously wrong here. It's inexcusable that that play was allowed to continue for 13 seconds. This dude's got family at home. If if this was any other, I mean, I can't believe this is even an issue after the Zach Gorinsky thing. And then suddenly officials got quick on their whistle for after that. And now it's, we're suddenly back to not caring about player safety, not protecting players with head injuries, just more terrible judgment from NHL officiating. There's no excuse for this in this game. Well, I do have to, there's a lot I have to say, actually. So first, also at the end of that rule, it says, in the case where it is obvious that a player has sustained a serious injury, the referee and or linesman 
may stop the play immediately, which I understand maybe for the first three seconds, they might be like, oh, he maybe is not hurt. But the moment Pedersen raises his hand to stop play a member of the other team, don't you think it's time to blow the whistle? That and that You'd is think. where but that is where the NHLPA and the rule book needs to change. It needs to be more specific because also as a ref, you are not supposed to control the game. You are not supposed to be the reason why a game goes one way or another. So when you're a ref in that situation, and I don't I don't know if you could see the blood until he took his helmet off. I'm not sure. I was not on the ice. But in that situation, they're in the zone. The Canucks have control. In that situation, a ref is probably thinking, if I call this dead, I am taking away their momentum, you know? And that sucks that you would you would put a ref in that situation to have to make a decision like that when you could easily put it in the rule book that you take a puck to the face, you take a puck to the head, you are out. The play is called dead and you go to the concussion protocol. The NHLPA could easily talk about this this summer when they talk about contract negotiations. That should be something... They need to make some of these rules in the rule book more concrete so the refs are are able to ref the game without having to be without having to put their own like thought into it per se. Because we, we want refs to not put their thoughts into it. We want the refs to say, that's the rule and that's it. But how can you say that's the rule and that's it when you're asking them to to make that decision. Are they injured? Are they not? That's up to you. And I don't think that's fair to the players and to the refs. Also, even further, the other team, the Canucks, they they should have stopped play. Passed it to someone. Yes, yes. Yes, like Pedersen is clearly freaking out. He is freaking out. And he had teammates that were passing the puck Pass Calvert on the ground. And it's like, I get it. You want to win. You want to score. But, well, but you stop the play. Your own teammate is literally wigging out about some guy who's on the ground who then tried to get up, falls back on the ground, and you <laughs> pass the puck past him. Like, that's not safe. It, it falls on a lot of people, but it, it still stems to the rule book. It needs to change. So what I think they need to do is if the guy if a guy is on the ice, he gets hit, he's not getting up, just blow the play dead. I mean I mean I know I know like the uh with hockey it's kind of like players wanna play no matter what. They're gonna play injured as much as possible, and it's not likely anyway that you would think that a guy would fake an injury. But regardless, if a guy is down and he's not getting up, he probably is hurt, most likely more than anything. Blow the play dead. You know, get him off the ice, make sure he's good. And if they're actually, I mean, not that anybody's even really talking about this or I've seen it a little bit, but if there really is any fear of embellishment, then slap on a penalty or fine, whatever. But the main focus should be 
get him off the ice, make sure he's good because if he is hurt, why are we letting him basically suffer out there while the play is still going on? Yeah, I was just going to say one. I have one last point about the uh, the referees, like not wanting to decide a game. Elias Pettersson was giving them an out there like he's waving very clearly on the ice. So like if, even if the refs didn't want to out in like influence the outcome, they've got a Vancouver Canuck who, despite the Canucks having possession, yes, the Canucks should have probably flung the puck into the netting or something. But Pedersen gave them a gave them an out to just blow the play dead because he's clear. He was he's very clearly on the video losing his mind about what he's looking at. Right. I mean, he like I said, it goes all the way back to the rule book. And if people are worried about people faking it on the ice, they can add something in the rule book. That's like if a person is faking after you've called the whistle, then like it could be a penalty. Okay, right. Let's slap, add slap a two-minute delay a game minor on it. We don't yeah. need eighty-seven rules. We can have eighty-eight. Why? Why? Why can't we add right. an extra rule? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sla- just... Slap a two-minute delay a game on it or something, but or right. two minutes embellishment or something. Yeah. But you have you have to find a way to protect these players, especially when something that serious is happening. Like that's. That's inc- the fact that that play was allowed to go on for 13 seconds with Calvert. It's just it, it's utterly horrifying. It was terrifying. Be- best wishes to him in his recovery, by the way. He was, he's alert and conscious, obviously is in concussion protocol. So just best wishes to him. And I hope he gets well soon. Yeah, hopefully he's all right. And hopefully, I mean, unfortunately, until they change this role, I'm sure there probably will be a similar instance, but hopefully not. And hopefully the league will act fast and I don't know, as soon as possible. I mean, it may not be until the offseason, but hopefully they do uh, look at it. Anyway, that's going to do it for us this week. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons off of their album Homemade Vision. Angela's newest album is called 430, and you should definitely go listen to it. Go check her out at AngelaPearlie.com. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and a whole lot more. So check us out on iTunes here or search Canon and SB Nation on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Give us a rating. We welcome your thoughts and feedback in the comments. And let us know if you have any questions you want us to answer. You can also listen to this week's below or download using the share button in the embedded player. So for all of us, that is going to do it. And we will see you all next week. I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go.
a little spoiler for you. If a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.